Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 76 of the Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we are going to be joined by Maggie Fix. In case you do not know who Maggie Fix is, that is the chief public relations officer for David Starr Racing. Uh, that's her official title, right? She's the chief public relations officer? That That's her. And, okay. Uh, the, for people that know, I mean, she... Uh, you know, obviously keeps me in line and, and helps me take care of business. And she does, she, she does a lot. We'll learn a lot about everything Maggie does. Such a wonderful young lady. And, and man, I'm so, uh, so blessed to have her on. We're, I'm, I feel blessed to have her on my team. That's David Starr, by the way, already <laughs> uh, jumping in. Uh, he's here with us. Dominic Argon, RacingExperts.com is here as well. And I am back uh, in the flesh after a, a week off this uh, past week. More on why I was away last week later. Today's show is presented by Ticket Smarter. Ticket Smarter came aboard as the primary sponsor this year on David's 08 Ford Mustang. And we want to tell you a little bit more about what they do. Ticket Smarter is a national ticket resale marketplace with tickets to over 125,000 live events, including NASCAR and other forms of motorsports. Fans can get tickets to every NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World Truck Race throughout the season. For the best deals on tickets, visit TicketSmarter.com to get your tickets today. That's TicketSmarter.com. All right, guys, uh, looking back at the weekend, uh, let's start out with the controversy that was at Pocono. Denny Hamlin, the winner, not so fast as he was ultimately DQ'd along with his second-place finishing teammate, Kyle Busch. Chase Elliott handed the win after not leading a single lap. David, what was your reaction to everything that unfolded? I mean, before even the DQs, we had a great race of that battle between Denny and and Ross, I was I was getting off an airplane Sunday night, David. I watched the finish of the race, got on an airplane, got off the plane, and my mom texts me. She's like, you hear about the controversy in the race? And I assumed she was talking about Denny and Ross. I had no idea. We had these DQs involved. I mean, what a wild day it was Sunday. Man, NASCAR Cup racing right now, if you're not a fan, it, it uh, you know, there's a lot of people tuning in because there's so much going on. And Sunday's race was unbelievable. It was a great race. Uh I was at Maggie uh, Maggie Fix's parents' house, and uh, we were all tuned in. I was actually tuned in to Kevin Harvick's in-car camera. You know, I was watching Kevin Harvick because he – I thought he'd have a good run because he needs to win, you know, to get in the chase. And, uh, man, it was just a, an awesome race and just, you know, how it was all playing out and, you know, the – and how Denny took the lead from Ross and uh, put him up into the wall. That, you know, that was kind of exciting and crazy. And then uh, seeing the finish of the race and Denny celebrating with his daughter was kind of a, a feel-good story. You know, he has his daughter. He put her in the race car and she rolled to victory lane with him. I mean, it's just cool stuff. It just, you know, and then and then I'm at the airport and, and Maggie's dad, Rich Fix, called me and said, dude, have you – have you heard that they disqualified first and second? You know, Chase Chase Elliott won the race. I said, there's no way, man. You know, I've never heard. I mean, I don't think I've ever heard of anybody getting disqualified. I don't think I've have ever seen it or heard it uh, in any NASCAR series, you know. And, uh, and and not only did they disqualify him, they took the wind away from him, from him and Kyle Busch. And it was like, man, it's it was a it was an exciting, crazy day of racing, that's for sure. Dom, I like this part of the show where we're all like recalling where we were from when we found <laughs> out when it happened, because we obviously did not see the winner before our very eyes. You were there 
David was in the airport. I was on an airplane. We were all somewhere when we found out. Take us to Pocono, set the scene, how you found out the news. You have a pretty interesting angle on it. Well, it was pretty cool. I'm always telling people on our team, and we had a great team this weekend at the racing experts, five of our guys. We had Justin Melillo, our managing editor, Dante Ricky, always shoots Pocono for us, Chris Salazar, Marcus Lino. You guys know all these guys are friends of the show. But we're there. I'm always telling our guys, there's always something historic going on in the sport. Like, okay, we're seeing Ty Gibbs fill in for Kurt Busch. Daniels Forces 200 star. A lot of cool headlines, a lot of cool history being made. But then to actually hear those words from an NASCAR official was just something that I, I had to take a step back because I'm in the media center and the media center is usually in the infield of the racetrack. This is where you have a lot of your den live reporters. So Jeff Gluck, Dustin Lawn, Bob Pockers, Chris Knight, all these guys who cover the sport on a weekly basis. This is where their headquarters is. So that's where our team was. We're getting ready to pack up. Justin's about ready to hit publish on his story on the recap. And this NASCAR official goes up to the podium and says inspection in the NASCAR garage is complete. And he went on to say that the 11 and the 18 failed post-race inspection. So I'm like, wait, what? And I'm looking at our guys. I'm like, what the heck? So I see Bob and Chris. They're, they're getting ready to tweet stuff out. So I pull out my phone. I start put on our Facebook page. And they said they were going to make somebody available shortly, the competition director. Morin, I think, is the last name. He ended up coming in talking for about 20 minutes. Or he came in 20 minutes later and talked for a few minutes about it. And it's just like, wow, we're just all these questions, more questions than answers. And they had said they were very surprised about what they had found, but they couldn't go into detail. And then it wasn't until on Monday when we certainly saw and found out more about what happened. JGR not appealing. But Tyler, David, I got to say, I mean, I'm always saying about the history angle. It was actually really crazy to hear that, to hear that part of NASCAR history. The first time in 62 years that you have first and second place disqualified in the same race. Unbelievable. Yeah, and this is a new thing in the since, you know, the last few years they changed where if you failed post-race inspection, you just get DQ'd. It used to be you would still get the win, but they could, you know, deduct points and suspend crew chiefs and et cetera. Now they'll straight up just take the win away from you because it affects the playoff picture. And so with that being said, you know, David – I wondered if NASCAR made the right decision, if the punishment necessarily fit the crime. But, you know, I had my hesitations about that. But then the fact that Joe Gibbs Racing didn't appeal, that kind of told me everything I needed to know. Uh, the fact that they did not try to go after this, uh, try to, you know, take a stab at this uh, punishment that was handed down from NASCAR just to kind of accept it as is. Man, Tyler, I think you're right about that. You know, sometimes we see a lot of teams when they're when there's a penalty involved and are, uh, you know, they'll they'll kill it. You know, and we have the right to do that. The teams have the right to do that um, because there's discrepancies. You know what I mean? I mean, within the rules that we're given, even just trying to get it reduced, even. no doubt about it. And and to hear that Joe Gibbs Racing was not going to kill it, it almost you know. And, you know, we're talking about the next-gen car. You know, everybody's equal. You buy the same spindles, the same parts and pieces. It ain't like last year and years past where a team builds a different chassis. They figured out the engineering, fitted out a better com chassis combination with the uh, pickup points. Where the, you know, it's just, uh, you know, everybody has the same parts and pieces. And, and now, you know, it's like, hey, what separates, you know, you know, it's so, so competitive these days, uh, you know, and for NASCAR to disqualify the first and second, and it hasn't been done like we were talking about in 62 years, 
I mean, it's almost like they just caught them red-handed. They were just, they were looking for advantage. And it seems like they got an advantage because they finished first and second and they got caught and they got disqualified. So it was like, man, I, I was, couldn't wait to hear what it was that they found, you know, and I was really surprised <laughs> Monday afternoon when I heard what it was. It really, for us, it really wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, you're talking, I mean, and, and let me, let me ask the question. Uh, it was, an, it was, uh, so we, we, we put vinyl on the race cars. There's a wrap. And I think there was uh, in certain, there was a certain spot in the front of the race car. I, I don't know the front bumper or wherever. Uh, it was, uh, it, there was uh, a double, it was double wrap. So it made the wrap thicker, which could have gave them a little bit of advantage, you know, but you're thinking about, man, you know, what's the thickness of a wrap? I mean, is it 10,000, 15,000? Then you double it up. Then you got 30 or 35. It's really not that big of a deal, but, you know, to us, but to NASCAR's eyes, I mean, for something that hasn't been done in 62 years, for them to disqualify Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch first and second, then it must be a really big deal than what, what I'm thinking, you know what I mean? Because, I mean, this just doesn't happen. Well, and, and Dominic, with this new car, um, as David was saying, there's just things that you don't need to touch like you've done in the past. I have a feeling NASCAR was kind of making an example out of Hamlin and Bush here. Maybe it wasn't that bad of a crime, but they're trying to make a statement. And uh, I think the message is loud and clear at this point as far as touching this car goes that – I mean, you, you don't mess with it like you, like you did in the past. I get teams finding, you know, trying to find every advantage they can, but uh, this, this might have been a message that NASCAR was trying to deliver. I think so. We saw that in March with Brad Keselowski and their team's issues and having – I think Rulebook had said something about just modifying a single-sourced part or a part that had been provided – and like you look, too, and we're going to talk more about it in the news and notes segment as well, but Michael McDowell coming down with this penalty Tuesday, 100 points, $100,000 for the team fine for the crew chief and a suspension of four races. You're right, Tyler. I drive back to what you just said. NASCAR's not screwing around. Yeah. Last thing on this, then we'll bring in Maggie here. I know we've gone along in this opening segment, but we had so much to dissect. The Hamlin and Ross Chastain thing, Kind of got forgotten about in a sense, although Ross kind of gets the last laugh of sorts. I saw the meme going around of him with the, the Dairy Queen ice cream. Uh, you know, <laughs> everyone was laughing about that. But uh, we get a real rivalry on our hands here. I don't blame Denny at all for forcing Ross up the track. I thought that was good racing. Um, even if it was payback, even if it was intentional, I mean, I like Ross, but nobody has it coming for them more than Ross does. I mean, Ross probably is owed some payback at some point this year by somebody, in all honesty. With that said, this is a good rivalry. These are two good drivers, older guy, younger guy. I hope they never, as Mike Davis said it uh, from the Dell Jr. download, he said it best. Uh, David, I hope Ross and Denny never become friends. <laughs> I, I totally agree with him, you know. And, and you know, uh, Ross is such a great race car driver. And what we talk about it week in and week out, what Trackhouse has done in their sophomore year as a cup team is amazing. You've never seen this done ever, ever. And I don't think many people involved in our sport have seen this 
you know, the dominance they have. And they're, I, I don't know if they're the most consistent team. If they're not number one, they're right there close, running a close tie, you know. But, uh, but man, Ross is so hungry, such a great driver. He's aggressive. And, uh, you know, seeing him and Denny and others have a problem with the way he's racing them, I mean, it's, it's exciting, you know. It's, uh, people are talking about it. Whether it's right or wrong, it's, it brings a lot of new eyeballs to our sport, makes it exciting, you know. And, and what Denny did Sunday afternoon to run Ross up into the, up into the wall you know, it was kind of interesting that Ross didn't turn left and spin him out in the process, but he didn't. And it did take the win away from the uh, from Ross because I thought Ross had a great – I thought Ross was going to win the race up until that point. Well, if Ross would have finished second, it would have won too. Yeah, but, but man, you know, uh, I, I hope they never become friends. And, uh, you know, and really as race car driver, I mean, I'm going to race everybody like they race me, you know, and, and if somebody – bumps me and spins me out wrecks me then you know when there's a time and place for it i mean they need to know that it's going to come back that's just racing you know what i mean hey we're going to race hard we're going to trade paint we're going to beat and bang but spin me out race me dirty at times and it's coming back to you but but dominic tyler i agree with you i hope they never become friends because it makes it makes it more interesting to watch it you know dominic uh in regards to this, you know, rivalry, this feud between Denny and Ross, and uh, I think I read a stat that no driver is responsible for more wrecks in all of Cup this year than Ross Chastain. I mean, with that said, I don't think Ross is doing things intentionally. I mean, I don't think that he's – I wouldn't even call him a dirty racer. What I would say is that Ross Chastain is a young driver who is reckless, who – is still figuring out car control, takes some chances. I don't think he means to bump guys and race dirty at all. That's just – I mean, it, it's just – I think he is different than most of these younger drivers. We tip, we complain all the time about young drivers not being aggressive enough, and here's the one guy in Ross Chastain that is the 180 of that. He's overly aggressive. I, I'm, I think he's going to be fine. He'll figure this out. He's not a dirty racer. He's just a little reckless right now, and that will come with age. I think there's a lot of growing pains with how with the position he was in running two seasons in subpar equipment in the Cup Series, and all of a sudden you're in a top 10 car. There's some learning that comes with that. And I want to say it was Jeff Burton who had said it a few weeks ago on NBC Sports. Yeah, you're, the guys you race for 20th and 30th, they're going to race differently at that point of the pack. They're going to race differently in the top 10. And Ross just has to learn that. And he has to learn how those guys race at the front because he's not used to racing them. It's just a matter of learning. Yeah, and, you, and, and hey, let me throw something else in there. This new next-gen race car is new. It's new for everybody, you know what I mean? And, you know, being aggressive and certain time, you know, you don't – they're just learning, you know, and I think they have all pretty much know what the car is going to do. But, you know, sometimes when you put your cars in a certain situation, this is a new design, totally different race car from last year and the years past. So – you know, in, in Ross's defense, and sometimes you just don't know. You don't know, and it's like, man, boy, did I learn you can't do that. But I, but in the process of learning, you ran somebody over and wrecked them. But you know, he just a, uh, you know, they got a, they have fast race cars. Ross Chastain is 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 one of the best race car drivers out there, and you know, he's very aggressive. I I, I love it. I I love it. I love it for our sport. I love it for the fans. 
I like the rivalry. It's exciting. It just makes the race even more exciting to watch every weekend. Yeah, for sure. Dominic, uh, she's waited very patiently, but like we said, we had so much to get to, but we're excited to uh, bring on Maggie Fix uh, to the show. Tell us about Maggie before we uh, bring her in here. I'll tell you guys, we give a lot of credit to people that have had their hand in helping this podcast get started. Maggie was actually one of the gatekeepers, making sure this even happened in the first place when she was working with David and trying to figure out, okay, is this going to be a good fit, right? She kind of vetted, right, David? She was your gatekeeper. But even more so important than that, I think this is somebody that a lot of people know. If you're in David Star Racing Circle or if you're a fan of Star, you know that Maggie's the right-hand person. She's the one at the track getting everything done, balancing 10 different roles at once. And on top of that, she has a lot of other roles too. And we're going to get to learn a lot about that tonight. Maggie, thank you so much for joining us this week on Let's Go Racing. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And just, I mean, honestly, looking through your past guests, I feel like I don't even belong here, but I'm really happy to be here. <laughs> and, and Maggie, not only, uh, as we mentioned, works with David and helped us get this show started, uh, you're a regular listener to this show, uh, a loyal listener at that, Maggie, trying to keep up, make sure David doesn't say something he regrets. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I mean, I've listened from the start, and as Dominic explained, kind of the gatekeeper, David, I didn't even work for him then, but he said, do you just talk to these guys and kind of see what they want to do and if that would work for me? Um, so, yeah, Tyler, Dominic, and I, I think we chatted, how long ago was that? Two, three years About ago two years now? Ago. Or two? Yeah, yeah that so was, crazy. Uh, <laughs> I think our first call was, what, October 2020? And we got the show going a couple months after that. And here we are. Uh, yeah. 76 episodes later. So. <laughs> Took 76 episodes to have me. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Mag, we don't look at it that way, girl. <laughs> hey, we, we got a whole lot of other people that we still got to get to, too. So yeah. it, it's all good. Maggie, uh, let's, let's start. We, we always ask people where they started in the, the beginning. So for you... What what is your story? Let, let's for the big. What's the beginning for you? Would you say when did your love for for racing and, and NASCAR begin? So I would say my racing love. I guess my love for racing kind of came backwards. Um, so my parents met David. I think in 2014 or 2015. Um, their friend took him to the racetrack at Dover, Delaware, and. They met David. I think they went to dinner with him um, and just absolutely loved him. Um, and then the next year, of course, he needed a sponsor. So he called up Missy and Rich Fix Alarm Tech Systems. And um, I think they bought maybe a hood or something. Um, not much, but they get there and they have the whole car. So my dad always talks about that and how great it was. Um, that was when he was driving for Jimmy Means. So I didn't meet David until 2018. So I was looking back, which is crazy because we've only now known each other for, I think, four years. Um, but seems like much longer. David's kind of like family. So after meeting David is when I kind of got into the dirt racing scene. So um, I met Kenny Bach, who races a 602 crate and helped them get their social media started. Um, my parents now sponsor him. And then um, we have two other dirt racing teams that we sponsor, Austin Michikowski of, he drives a 270, and then um, the Ruffners, they're just little kids who drive quarter midgets, and it's just so cute. Um, so I, I feel like my racing 
kind of went backwards. It started at the, the Xfinity level and at the NASCAR level and went downwards, but that's great because I mean, the roots of racing is just awesome. So you became a racing fan because of David. I, I've essentially, yeah. I mean, my parents were always watching racing on Sundays. So I've, I was always there in the background, but it wasn't really anything that I um, like tuned into. Um, So kind of didn't catch my eye. I wanted to work for a baseball team. That was kind of my dream. So I worked for a minor league baseball team before college and throughout college. And that was kind of the direction I wanted to head um, until I met David. (laughs) So over the years, you know, being a, having the honor to hang out with uh, Maggie's mom and dad, Missy and Rich, just great, wonderful people. And uh, Maggie and her sister, Kendra, they're just, they're just a wonderful family. Uh, you know, uh, Maggie was in college and, and when I would stay the night at their house, you know, I get to visit with Maggie and she's uh, very sharp, very smart. And uh, so I, I would bounce a lot of ideals off of her, talk to her about sponsors and, and people we were trying to get in touch with, some we were working with, and she really, uh, she really, uh, I could tell she was very passionate and 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 had a lot of a uh, lot of energy and a lot of want to. And I was just thinking, man, it'd be awesome if I could work with her. You know what I mean? Because she has everything. You know, I thought she had everything that you you know that anybody would want to help their business. You know, she understood marketing. She understood the PR side and, uh, she was sharp. And, uh, so anyway, I, uh, it was, man, it's just so cool, uh, that we were able to come together and work together this year. And, uh, she's just, she's, uh, the sponsors love her. Uh, she takes care of all our sponsors. And when we have guests at the racetrack, she makes sure that, you know, be before, even before they get there, that, you know, they kind of have an idea of what that weekend's going to look like. And uh, she's just, just very uh, good with people. And, you know, when you have sponsors, I mean, we can't race without Ticket Smarter, Brett Bear, all, all the sponsors we have. And when they bring guests and they bring employees or friends, you have to make sure that they have a red carpet experience. And, and uh, you know, obviously I'm busy, I'm racing, I'm focused on the race car and Maggie, Maggie comes in and she really just uh, takes them, you know, and, and takes them by the hand and walks them through the whole process. And they just, they fall in love with her and they just, they have such a great race experience. They want to do it more. And it's just, uh, you know, she helps me with everything, you know, anything a driver uh, has to go through. And, and it's not just the racing part. If I could just race the race car, it'd be awesome. But there's so much more to it than that. And she's just a, a, a crucial a really very important part of all of it. And I couldn't do it without her. And I kind of, since I've only worked with her for seven or eight months, I'm thinking, man, I wish I'd have had her 15 years ago, you know, (laughs) but Maggie's wonderful. But yeah, our sponsors, when some of them, when they bring guests to the track, some of the people have never even been to a race before. So um, just kind of imagine how overwhelming that could be for someone who's never been to a race to kind of start from ground zero and, say all right you need your credentials you need this is a schedule here's the map and it's it's overwhelming for people who have never done it before so absolutely we had we had a little sponsor this week and um uh, uh and uh man uh uh god maggie help me out um campbell electric campbell electric and uh 
And our sweet friend, uh, what, my mind's going blank. What was her name, Maggie? Tiffany. No, Tiffany. Tiffany's just a wonderful person. Can't believe I just went blank on her name. But <laughs> Tiffany's such a sweetheart. I've known her for years. And uh, man, she, uh, I said, hey, look, just work through Maggie, email her your logo, this and that. And man, they had, she hadn't even met Maggie yet, just talking to her on the phone and, and uh, Maggie working with her, making her feel so comfortable. She fell in love with Maggie. She didn't even met her, you know what I mean? And that's usually 99.9% uh, .9 of the people, uh, is that's their response about Maggie. They just, she just so, uh, such a sweet person and very helpful. And, uh, and it's just wonderful. That's great. That's uh, that's that's awesome. So, so Maggie, uh, I mean, Dominic and I, we've gotten to know David real well over the years. Obviously, we since since you know him uh, like we do, uh, <laughs> let let people in a bit. What's uh, what, what's your favorite memory, or maybe uh, maybe something goofy or, or something that comes to mind when you think of David? Get, give us the good. Spill the beans on David. Oh. Well, I would say this year at Darlington, um, we were just, I don't know, we were goofy for whatever reason. <laughs> and um, we decided after the race that we were going to go um, to, I think it was Florence Racetrack. Was that correct? Yeah, Florence. Yeah. Florence, South Carolina, they got a half mile asphalt track. So it was like on and off raining, on and off. And so David called the first time and he said, hey, are we racing today? And the guy on the phone was like, yeah, heck yeah, we're racing. So we're like, awesome. So we went to Firehouse Subs. Of course, David has to get his Firehouse <laughs> Subs. <laughs> Got our subs. Um, and then it started downpouring again. So then David called back again. And he got to the voicemail. And he left my Uncle Sean's phone number to the guy to call back. <laughs> and he said, I'm Uncle Sean from Reading, Pennsylvania. And I'm here to watch a race. And I just need to know if we're racing tonight. Left his phone number. <laughs> The rest of the week, anytime someone would call or say anything, we go through a drive-through. We're telling people to call Uncle Sean from Running Pennsylvania. <laughs> hey man, if you can't have fun, hey man, we, we love to race, and man, it's, uh, it's we're so passionate about it, love it. But you gotta you gotta enjoy the process. You know what I mean? <laughs> like acting like kids and having a good time, and, and people people enjoy it on the other end. Whoever we're kidding with or joking with, they usually uh, partake in it. And we put a smile on somebody's face, but, you know, it's kind of interesting uh, uh, when I met Mag, uh, Maggie's parents, uh, Missy and, and Rich Fix and their company, Alarm Tech Systems in Reading, Pennsylvania, you know, they got a big company and have a lot of customers, but it's really cool to, uh, to have uh, meet a, a great family and, and, and see their love and excitement for our sport of NASCAR racing and man, just to get and so engaged with it and become a great, not just a great sponsor, a partner of mine, but a, a great fan of the sport. And uh, I love that. But but the cool thing that happened with, and then, you know, Maggie gets involved and, and there's other people in the area that race these dirt modifieds and sprint cars and to see alarm tech systems as a company and as a family start sponsoring other race cars not just nascar but spartan sponsoring a sprint car and micro midgets and you know and, and uh big block modifieds kenny block uh brock and maybe did i say his name right Bach. 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 Kenny Bach. and it's kind of cool now when i go to reading pennsylvania you know and if there's not a nascar race hell we're going to a dirt track somewhere and watching one of the 
the alarm tech system cars that they sponsor. So it, it's kind of cool uh, they're, they're, to see their passion and their excitement for all forms of auto racing. And it's kind of cool to see them help other drivers, you know, because uh, as all of our racers, all everybody that's ever raced in NASCAR or not even NASCAR, you know, up through the up through the early years and up until the point where you become professional, there's such a lot of sponsors and a lot of people that are that are responsible for that. And it's cool seeing alarm tip systems and Maggie's family and parents, you know, help other people to achieve their goals. It's just it's that's a cool, it's a really cool story, you know. And and the cool part about it is Maggie loves racing as much as I do, you know, it's hard to and as much as you guys do, you know what I mean? It's kind of hard to find somebody that loves it like we do because we're, you know, we're pretty passionate about it and love something so much. And it's cool to, to meet a, a young female woman that's real smart, that loves it as much as we do. I think it's, I think it's just a cool story. So Maggie, oh, you, yeah. know, you really enjoy motorsports yourself, but did you ever try your hand at racing or did you ever want to get behind the wheel or is that something you still would maybe want to do down the road? So that's actually a really funny story, and I kind of figured it would come up, but my dad bought me a go-kart when I was a kid, and it's a little two-seater go-kart. Um, we have some property that we can run it on, and we were, we had golf carts that we were just kind of driving around the field, but my dad got me this go-kart. I was really excited. I get all suited up. Like, we had a helmet and everything, and my first time in the car the whole family's watching and I run right into our pool deck like head on bam into the wall so then as soon as that happens I unbuckle I take my helmet off I throw it on the ground and I run in the house crying and I I think I wasn't destined to be a racer <laughs> <laughs> well that's a little bit better than what Dominic did <laughs> What did I do, David? Refresh my memory. Well, I don't know. Refresh our memory about your dirt track days uh, when you jumped into a dirt track car not too long ago. Oh, yeah. So for the first time in my life, I hopped in to a real race car on a real racetrack, and it was the first time I was doing stick shift. So that was a fun time trying to figure that. And once I finally did with the H pattern, got some really cool laps in. And, and when I climbed out of the car, the guy that had let me test his car, he's like, man, he goes, I told you not to wreck it. I was like, no, I know. And he's like, you could have gone faster. <laughs> <laughs> Oh I, think, I was in the corners about maybe 50 miles an hour, but it was a 1986 street stock, like a, it was a Monte Carlo body. So it had the, the flat oh, that's awesome. window, really, really nice car, very nice body to it. Kind of reminded like the Jeff Bodine, Dale Earnhardt, Monte Carlo from the eighties. So really cool to hop behind the wheel and you start going faster and faster. And it was a clay mile, third mile, clay mile track in Grants, New Mexico. And I'm going through the corners and I can just feel the racing surface changing with beneath me ever so slightly every lap. So adjusting the line, approaching the corners different. It was a lot of fun. That is awesome. Absolutely, man. I, uh, I can't wait till all of y'all, even you, Maggie, come to our, our Team Texas oh, yeah. driving school and drive one of our NASCAR race cars, man. So, That's gonna be so Maggie, what we're doing on Labor Day weekend, Tyler and I are going to be a part of the racing school. We're going to go through the motions. We're going to learn everything we can. And then it's game on on the racetrack. Is this something you're going to partake in? I mean, I, this is the first I'm hearing about it, but maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I always hear David say people cry the first time they are in the race car because of tears of joy, but I think I might have like tears of fear coming out. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Maggie, uh, beyond just what you do at the, at the racetrack, uh, I mean, you have your day job and 
Uh, you, you mentioned you've worked in minor league baseball, but I mean, the, the marketing and the PR side of things too, that's uh, for you has been beyond NASCAR. You've done all, all, all sorts of stuff uh, already, haven't you? Yeah. So um, in high school, I started working at a minor league baseball team in Reading. So um, they just hired me as a high school intern and I would just kind of watch everybody work all day. I knew that this was kind of something I wanted to do. Working in sports was something that you have to really work your tail off to do. So um, I knew that's where I wanted to be. Um, I kind of learned the community outreach, group sales, sponsorship sales. They were small, but it was still like kind of that groundwork that you needed to know. Um, so I was also the tooth fairy. So I would skip around the bases during the um, game and clean off the bases. Um, but after that, I was offered an internship at Turkey Hill Dairy in their marketing department. And I knew that they traveled um, throughout the summer. So that kind of was interesting to me. But I knew I needed to learn something elsewhere. And I'm really glad that I did because it gave me the opportunity to travel. Uh, we went to Portland, Chicago, um, went around Maryland, um, New York, just sampling ice cream, doing kind of activations that you see at the racetrack every week out in the fan zone. That was pretty much what we were doing just at different events. And through that, we were also selling sponsorships. So we'd have to like sell ourselves to be at these events to hand out the ice cream. So um, worked there up until COVID and then COVID kind of shut down the internship program at Turkey Hill and I ended up working for my parents at Alarm Tech. So that's what kind of landed me here. <laughs> and uh, Alarm Tech, for people that don't know, what, what, what is Alarm Tech? What, what do you guys do? Yeah, so we have three divisions. So we have Alarm Tech Systems, Alarm Tech Suppression, and our newest addition, um, Alarm Tech Sprinkler. So we install sprinkler systems that you see in big um, commercial buildings. We install suppression systems, kitchen hoods, fire extinguishers, and then on the alarm side, we do fire alarms, security systems, access control, video surveillance. So kind of your one-stop shop for all your um, security and fire alarm needs and fire protection needs. Perfect. And Maggie, tell them, tell them how busy y'all are. They got so many customers. There's, they do such a great job that, man, they, they can't find enough helpers. Uh, yeah. The workers they got are awesome. And, man, they're doing uh, putting big-time cameras and big buildings downtown Reading. They got all kinds of customers. And uh, it's always interesting to, to talk to her, Maggie's mom and dad and find out what's going on because, man, they're just, they can never catch up. They're way behind. No. And, uh, and you know, I said, well, hell, if you you bought such a great company, didn't do such quality work, you wouldn't have that problem. <laughs> so I believe that's a good problem to have. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, with everything going on in the world right now with like supply chain, we can't get fire alarm panels. We can't get access control systems, like the material that you need to complete the job. And then you don't have the help that you need to complete the job. It's just a trickle effect that we're experiencing. And I'm sure a lot of other small businesses are experiencing. Well, we're excited that, uh, that alarm tech system is doing well. Y'all are taking care of some great customers and y'all got a lot more work. You know, they're growing as a company because, you know, I say that because we want those alarm tech race cars to keep keep showing up at the racetrack. You know what I mean? So uh, I'm, I'm glad alarm tech system is is doing well and there's plenty of work and uh, the future looks bright. So that's a great thing. 
That's awesome. That's uh, that's great. Uh, Maggie, uh, what, what about the future? Uh, I, I know that you enjoy working with David and everything going on at Alarm Tech. What's uh, what's next for you? What do you, what do you want to do, uh, accomplish? You want to keep on working in the sport or do you got some other things uh, in mind down the road? No, I would love to keep working in the sport as long as the sport will have me and just keep working hard and hoping that I can stay um, working and racing. But obviously, I always want to help the family business when I can. So finding something like this where I can balance both of that is would be great. Um, but I don't really plan too far ahead of like what I want, like my big goals are because they've changed so much in even the past four years that I just live life, be happy and what whatever comes next comes next. Well, I can assure you alarm tech system. I mean, she's a, she plays a, a big role in the success of that, of her parents' company and, and her company, I, you know, uh, the family company, but, uh, but, you know, in NASCAR racing, she, she, she got, she, she gets it. And, uh, you know, and, and we're blessed to have her on our team, but in the future, you know, if she ever, uh, if she's ever without, a job in racing, it won't be long because there's, there's others that have already noticed her and, and the teams and she'll have a big future in the sport. No doubt about it. You're so, not letting uh, her go, are you? No, I, I, hell no. <laughs> I fired. I'm just saying that, you know, she, uh, she, she won't ever have to worry about employment and racing as long as she still has a passion and, and, uh, for it. Uh, you know, I, I just see people talk about her and uh, she'll always have a job in the racing business if she wants it. You know what I mean? She sure will. And, and Maggie, you definitely do a lot for David and you do a lot with the family company. So you've kind of given us a little that peek inside of what you do with the family company. But like during the week, during the race season, what are some things that maybe the fans don't know about that you're doing behind the scenes? Or what are the things that you do for David Star Racing in, in those days leading up to a race weekend? And what does a race weekend look like from your perspective? Yeah, so, I mean, I don't even know where to start. What do we do? <laughs> um, so, I send everybody when people call me. <laughs> I'm like, call Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I run all of David's social media accounts. So, um, whenever you see David Star Racing Active, that's me. Um, and then I also take care of our sponsors. So, they'll email me. Um, just to coordinate things. I send them schedules. Um, I do little graphics for like race weekend of like what time the race is, all of that. Um, oh my gosh. I write press releases when needed, schedule David's travels. So when he's flying out and flying back in, which sometimes is the hardest part of my job, <laughs> <laughs> he changes his mind every day when he wants to leave. <laughs> um, what else do I do? I guess when I'm at the track, host the sponsors, and I just designed my second hero card, so those will be dropping soon for all the fans. Awesome. Very cool. M Maggie, D Dominic and I, we need our own hero cards. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that will be uh, – we'll, we'll talk about the price of that. <laughs> <laughs> Put it on David's tab. Yeah, there we go. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's what I told people all weekend this weekend. <laughs> so, you know, Maggie, you know, we, and hey, man, we – Stan Ross with Ticket Smarter and, and just, I mean, and Brett Bear and all our partners, you know, when, when you, when you, when you're so blessed to have just great companies support you, you know, in, in everything you tell them that the sports, what the sport offers them. And when we sell, when we sell people on, on getting involved in, in our sport, 
me and Maggie have to make sure that everything we told them it's going to happen. We have to deliver. And man, we deliver everything we've ever told anybody plus, you know what I mean? And Maggie's plays a big part in that. And uh, she just does a lot of stuff with the racing team I work with and, and their social media. And she just takes care of all the loose ends and, and just makes it all successful for me. It makes my life a lot easier where I can just focus on, you know, the focus on in my job and racing the race car and, and working with Jason Miller, my crew chief. Even my team, all the guys on the team, she, uh, they all love her and she helps them. And, you know, it's just, uh, there's a lot, you know what I mean? And every day is different. Not, you know, it's not the same routine every week. Everything's different. And uh, it's a lot of fun. And, and again, she just, Maggie just does such a great job. Uh, you know, she, Kenny Bach, her, the, her modified driver, and uh, they race these big Bach modifieds. I mean, she really uh, did a lot for that racing team and still kind of involved with him. And, uh, and again, I'm just, I'm just blessed to have her on our team, you know, and like I said, we, she's just a wonderful girl. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's terrific. Uh, Maggie's going to stick around and we'll have our news and notes as well as our uh, Ask David segment in just one moment. Today's show is presented by Ticket Smarter. Ticket Smarter is the official ticket resale marketplace of Worldwide Technology Raceway, where David won in 2004. Fans can also get tickets to any type of event, including sports, concerts, and theater productions. Ticket Smarter is committing to helping those in need by donating $1 from every transaction to various charity organizations. Head over to TicketSmarter.com to find tickets for upcoming events. That's TicketSmarter.com. Dominic Hargon has this week's news and notes for the latest happenings in the motorsports world. Dom, what's going on? When it rains, it pours, and we're not just talking about the forecast at Pocono every year. On top of those penalties that came out from Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch at Pocono, Michael McDowell's car was taken back to the Research and Development Center. Now, it is protocol that NASCAR will take top five cars and tear them down at the track. They do what they do, but they will also take cars back to their Research and Development Center in Concord, North Carolina, to have further inspection of cars. Usually, these, these are weekly things, and there's nothing that really comes out of them. However, this week, Michael McDowell's number 34 car was taken to the R&D Center. And upon review, NASCAR announced some penalties from Tuesday. McDowell did finish sixth in the Pocono race for his eighth top 10 of the year. But quoting what happened out of the rule book, and this has happened with Brad Keselowski's team as well, the team was pegged with modifications of a single source supplied part. So what part of the car remains to be seen at the time of this podcast coming out. But guys, if Michael McDowell makes the playoffs, he's going to be docked 10 playoff points, and he's been docked 100 driver's points. So he's sitting 26th in points entering the Indianapolis GP race. David, uh, McDowell has had a really good year. Uh, you know, people know, of course, when he won that Daytona 500 last year, but that certainly wasn't a fluke. He had some good runs last year and this year, although he hasn't gotten to victory lane, that team, Front Row Motorsports, has been so good this year, much improved uh, from even where they were last year. With that said, this is a big setback here. I mean, he could still make the playoff, but knowing that if they make the playoff, they're going to be starting from behind uh, with a 10-point deficit there. Well, I mean, you know, I can't wait to hear what it, what it is. And you know, y'all, we we know we talked about it. We know how, you know, NASCAR is with this new next gen car. You know, you can't modify, touch, grind. I mean, you know, so it's kind of interesting to to. I can't wait to hear what it was the team was doing, and what the penalty is going to you know what the penalty is and and what it's for. But man, Michael McDowell is such a great guy. 
And I loved it that he won the Daytona 500. And I'm even, I'm so excited for him and his team because they've been really consistent. You know, you hear Michael McDowell's name more often in the top 10. And this past weekend at Pocono, I mean, to run sixth, I mean, they have really come on strong this year. And I would love to see Michael McDowell's team, Front Row Motorsports, make the playoffs. I think that would be just an awesome story. And, uh, man, I, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him win a race here the next two or three, four weeks from now, you know. And uh, uh, they just – they're a great team. Uh, they're, they're kind of the underdog team, I would say. Uh, but, man, they're, uh, they're, 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 they're – a lot of people are noticing. And, uh, man, their performance on the racetrack every week is really uh, – it's really cool to watch. And, uh, man, like you said – uh, Tyler, after winning the Daytona 500, you know, I heard some rumblings from people. Hey, it's Daytona. He got lucky. And and I'm like, man, no, no, he's a great race car driver. The team prepared a great race car. And, uh, and for him to leave Daytona and have some great runs, I loved it. You know what I mean? And I, I would love to see that team win a race, make the playoffs, and continue to have – uh, the year they've been having, you know, and, and, and they're so deserving, you know, and, and we talk about this week in and week out, that new next gen race car, the, you know, how competitive everybody is. And I think it's really showing up for front row motorsports. So Dom, tell me this, uh, we hear all the time um, about playoff points and earning playoff points throughout the season, which are different than regular season points. And, you know, some guys maybe outside the playoff, but they've earned playoff points and whatnot. Uh, put this into perspective for us. What does this mean for Michael McDowell to be down 10 playoff points, essentially? What does that mean for him if he were to make the playoff and be down 10 points at, from the start? So at this point in the season, we know that it's probably going to take a win for Michael McDowell to make the playoff. So let's say he gets a win this week in Indianapolis Grand Prix road course. He could very capable. His team is very capable, and it could potentially do that. We've seen him run very well at the road course races. He wins the race, just the race, not even stage wins or anything like that. He would only be down five playoff points because NASCAR awards you five points for every race win that you have. And if you win a stage during the race, you're going to accumulate one more playoff point. So you can earn up to seven like of these playoff points throughout a race, but. He's essentially in a deficit when the playoffs start. If he were to make the playoffs, he would be seated as the 16th car. Some of these guys, right, you finish top 10 in points, you get more towards that, that point total. Michael McDowell would be in a big hole in that first round of 16 of the playoffs. Or for any driver that makes the playoffs and they have that negative 10 points, that's costing yourself great points that you could have picked up from race wins. It's just going to make it that much harder to be able to try and advance to the next round of the playoffs. So there's definitely implications that way where you're already an underdog in the playoffs and you're already starting in a hole, however far you make it. Uh, Maggie, uh, what's your thoughts? It seemed like uh, NASCAR wasn't messing around with penalties this weekend. Well, I just think that NASCAR is getting stricter because of, I mean, this next-gen car, but I think specifically the teams are trying to get more creative and I think that's where JGR got caught and I think Michael McDowell I think we saw RFK have the same issue earlier this year so I think they're trying to get creative where they can and it's not working <laughs> <laughs> no kidding Dominic what else we got so this weekend we have the Indianapolis Grand Prix road course event 
skies. It's only the second time they're visiting this course. Now NASCAR has visited Indianapolis and their first points race was 1994, but it wasn't until 2021 that we saw the Indianapolis road course be utilized in a cup series race. It's a companion event with the IndyCar series. We're gonna get to see some different series, national motorsport series racing at Indianapolis. Cup race on Sunday, Xfinity is gonna be racing on Saturday. But guys, our winner from last year, AJ Allmendinger in the field this weekend, he won as a part-time driver. Man, it's going to be awesome to see this Indianapolis road course. But I'm curious, David, you hear a lot of drivers talking about it. And I heard this a lot in the garage this past weekend at Pocono Raceway. A lot of drivers feel that we need to be going back to the traditional 2.5-mile, most famous track in the world at Indianapolis Motor Speed. I'm curious your take on that. Well, man, I, I, I have to agree with, with the drivers because – Man, when I found out years ago that we're racing at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway instead of Indianapolis Raceway Park, over the years, Indianapolis Raceway, Raceway Park was, we race on Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, truck race will be Friday night, Saturday night was the Xfinity race at Indianapolis Raceway Park, and then they said, hey, we're going to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and dude, it, it was like going to Daytona for the first time. I'm like, I can't believe that I'm going to race at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I mean, I've been watching ever since I can remember three, four years old, watching Indianapolis 500, watching A.J. Foyt win and Rick Mears. And, you know, I mean, there's so much history there. And I couldn't believe it, you know. And when we finally got to race, Xfinity Race Indianapolis Motor Speedway, I loved it. It was like, man, I just – it was amazing. And it's still amazing and last year when they when they said, hey, we're going to race on the road course there, man, you, I was, man, I was so disappointed with that because I was like, man, you know, we can race on road course at Mid-Ohio, Watkins Glen, you know, Sonoma. We don't need to do it at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And I was thinking that that I didn't voice my opinion. I uh, never said it publicly, didn't need to because there was a lot of other cup drivers that were voicing their opinion too. And now I think they're voicing it a lot louder these days. And I do believe that there's the race in Indianapolis Motor Speedway is so iconic and having, and it was big history back in 1994. I was there. I was there. I was a fan. I saw AJ Foyt run a stock car, a NASCAR race at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And, uh, you know, it was so prestigious. There was not a seat. I think it was sold out and was sold out years after that. It's such an iconic race. And for them to change the format and make the Brickyard 400 a road racing track inside the NS Motor Speedway, I thought it really took away uh, the iconic of such a big event. You know what I'm saying? It's like, man, it's Indianapolis, it's Indianapolis 500. And NASCAR, it's the Daytona 500. It's the Southern 500. And the Brickyard 400, it's, it's a huge event. And I think it took away some of the uh, prestige prestige of the event, putting it on a road course. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. I won't be there racing in my uh, 08 Ticket Smarter Brett Bear Ford Mustang because it is a road course. And, and man, I, and I would tell you that I want to be so bad being in Indianapolis this week because I love going in Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And I wish we were racing on the 2.5, you know, the two point, the big racetrack. And we're not. And I hope, I hope next year 
that the schedule puts us back on the 2.5 mile Indianapolis Motor Speedway. That's that's my opinion, and, and I love going there. Dominic, I get where David's coming from, but I mean, those last few years on the the oval were not good. Those were bad races. I mean, this last car was not made for what the Brickyard is. Maybe the next-gen car is different. I would love to see us at least test these cars, the next-gen, on, you know, on Indy and see if it would be a good product. But, I mean, at the bottom line, the last time we saw stock cars at, at the traditional Indy, it was not a good product. You're right. There were cars that you just couldn't get around, right? You saw Harvick lead the final laps there in that final race in 2020. Matt Kenseth was just right behind him. I think Kyle Busch was third, and they couldn't get around each other. But I did hear somebody say in the media center this week, and, and I can't remember the driver, but it was during one of those Cup Series availabilities. Somebody had asked the driver about running the next-gen car and what that would potentially look like, and the driver said it was kind of hard to really think about, but based on how these cars handle and dirty air and traffic, even though it'd be harder to pass, he felt the race would be closer and it would actually produce a good racing product. So I'm like you, Tyler. I mean, I would like to see a test. David, personally, I would like to see the 2.5 mile track back, but I guess that remains to be seen as what's going to happen in the 2023 schedule at this time. How about you, uh, Maggie? You want to see uh, NASCAR back on the traditional oval, Indy? Yeah, I think so now with this next-gen car, like Dominic was saying with what the drivers were saying about how what the racing product would be on the new or with the new car I think we should give it a try get the old course back because I know a lot of people are upset with that road course and now we have Chicago street course on the schedule that leaves another road course we have road America still they don't get a race anymore so I don't know we have all these great road courses I don't know why it has to be Indy yeah, I mean, the Indy Road Course, I like the Indy Road Course. It's right, It had some exciting races, both in Cup and Xfinity, but it just feels odd, though, to be going to a historic track like Indy and be running the road course there. Uh, just something about it just still doesn't feel quite right as far as that goes. Uh, picks for this weekend, Dom, uh, who do you like to get it done at, uh, at Indy? Yeah, I'm going a little too cliche, but I like the hometown boy. I think he gets redemption from last year's race. Chase Briscoe is going to win Indianapolis. His second win of the year. That would be fascinating. Mm -hmm. David, uh, are you picking Kevin Harvick? <laughs> if not, who? Well, I mean, you know, I don't think I'll be picking Kevin Harvick. I think, oh! I don't Whoa. think it's strong suits or the road course, you know what I mean, or the road courses. And, uh, you know, not only does Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex – you know, you guys know who or else. There's there's four or five guys that need a win bad. You know what I mean? But uh, you can't you can't count out uh, AJ Allmendinger. Uh, Denny Hamlin's pretty sharp on on the road courses. Chase Elliott, unbelievable road racer. Uh, you know, so uh, it's hard to pick a winner. But you know, Mister Consistent. You know, Chase Elliott got the win three weeks ago. Backed it up with a, I think a second place finish at Loudon. Or no, I don't even know he was. He's second. coming off a win, David. He's coming off a win. I mean, you know, it's and we always talk about momentum, momentum. He's got momentum, man. He's got a <laughs> lot of momentum. You know what I mean? I mean, they, the, you know, we we talk about who's the break, a lot of laps last week. Who's the break? But he led none. But he, <laughs> but, you know, he led none, and uh, uh, but you know, we talk about who's going to be the breakout guy. Who's the breakout team? 
And for me right now, if we had to pick somebody, I'd say Chase Elliott. I mean, he's just been Mr. Consistent, strong every week in the top five, whether he wins a, you know, he was saying, hey, I don't want the trophy from uh, Sunday at Pocono because I never let a lap and I didn't cross the start finish line first. So I really don't want the trophy. I don't care. I like his attitude, but he did win the race. And uh, he was third. He was right there. And uh, I think we're going to see Chase Elliott win the, the, the Indianapolis 500, not the Indianapolis 500, the Indy Great, uh, Grand Prix this weekend, no doubt. Uh, I got to go with Chase Elliott, too. Um, it feels cliche, but he's the best road course racer in the sport, and he's on a roll right now. Uh, his team's got something figured out. He and Allen are just something right. I'll, I'll go Chase. How about you, Maggie? I'm going to go a little less cliche. Um, I think Chris Buescher is going to get it done. He finished, what, second at Son mm -hmm. Sonoma, finished sixth at Road America. I think they're they're right there, and I think if they put it all together, he might get the win and shake things up in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, one more uh, news and notes item, uh, Dom. Uh, Kyle Busch, his sponsorship situation still is – up in the air, and they're running on deadline now, and Kyle could be leaving uh, JGR maybe out of all this. feels like every time these guys have a media availability, something's going to bring it up. It's the elephant in the room, and that was the theme at Pocono Racer this weekend. There were reporters asking Kyle Busch, are you coming back? Are you frustrated that talks aren't going the way you'd like them to? And he said, of course. I wish this thing was already said and done and dealt with, and we can focus on some other things, but it is what it is right now. And Gibbs kind of just taking the road where we're saying, you know what, we're trying to figure what we're going to do with this and we'll come to, to something down the road. But right now, this is the biggest question mark, guys. I mean, is there a chance? Do you guys think that maybe we could see this two-time champion step out and retire, maybe run the truck series or do something else? Is there a chance we see Kyle Busch not running Cup next year? No, I, I don't think there's any chance he doesn't run in Cup. Um, it's just that – what he's willing to give up, essentially. There was a report this week uh, from Adam Stern that said that Kyle Busch's current salary right now in just salary, not even race winnings, is $25 million, one of the highest of any driver. And to kind of put that in football terms, that's about the same amount of money that Jimmy Garoppolo, the 49ers quarterback, makes. Um, so, I mean, that's, you know, that's average quarterback football money. That's really good um, besides any race winnings. And so, you know, with M&Ms out the door now, they thought they had to deal with Oracle and that fell through. And so now trying to find sponsors just to get him at that $25 million salary, David, it's tough because, um, you know, in, in their case with Gibbs, they don't necessarily have just the money out of pocket to pay that type of salary. If he went to, Hoss or Hendrick or Trackhouse or Penske, those type of teams could pay Kyle out of pocket. Gibbs, as good as they are, they don't have the pocketbooks straight up without sponsorship like some of those other teams do in that sense. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's man, 25 million annually is is amazing, you know, and 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 he's worth every bit of it because he uh he's one of the, he's the only multi champion in the sport, man. He's amazing race car driver. I mean, you know, and and Dom, we were saying, hey, is is will we see uh Kyle Bush retire out of cup racing? I, I absolutely not. We won't. He, he's he, he's got a long uh, he's got many, many more years, many more championships to win. Uh, but I, I believe that Toyota 
and I believe Joe Gibbs, they're going to do everything in their power. And look, Toyota America, I mean, it's a big, big corporation, you know, big manufacturer. Uh, I think uh, I, I can't see them letting Kyle Busch go to another organization or another manufacturer. You know, I, I know that Toyota spends millions and millions and millions of dollars on their racing program. And I can't see them ever letting Kyle Busch uh, drive for another manufacturer. So even though we're talking about this, I, I, I just don't, I mean, Kyle Busch and Toyota, they go together, you know what I mean? And, and Gibbs, uh, you know, I, I don't know if they're just the way talks are going, if they're just doing this for media purposes, but there's no way that Toyota's ever going to let Kyle Busch go anywhere else, you know? And, and, and I think Toyota has deep pockets as a manufacturer, you know, they got so many other partners and I just can't see this ever happening. You know what I mean? And, and it's, it's shocking that we're still talking about this and it's not a done deal uh, just because of the, of the people involved, you know, and right. uh, all the different companies that, that Joe Gibbs associate with it's Joe Gibbs, you know, uh, big time cup champion team owner, former Super Bowl co uh, uh, coach for the Washington Redskins. And, you know, Joe Gibbs just himself, you know, people want, you know, companies want to be associated with that organization and, and Joe Gibbs himself. And, and I'm just shocked that this hasn't been put to put to bed yet. You know what I mean? Because uh, I, I don't know. And even though we're talking about it, I don't think anything's going to change. I think we'll see Kyle Busch back with Joe Gibbs racing in 2023 and beyond and, and, and with, with Toyota, because I just can't see them uh, disconnecting a championship organization manufacturer and driver they all go together and, and you see when it's all clicking man these guys are champions they're winners and why would you why would you let that why would you let that come unraveled i don't see it and tyler brings up a great point too i think when you look at the sponsorship model joe gibbs racing and, and not having the pockets that maybe these other teams have I think it was in that same Adam Stern article, Sports Business Journal, Tyler, that M&M's is paying something upwards of $25 million a year for their sponsorship with Joe Gibbs Racing. So that leaves a big void. And well, the almighty dollar, for better or for worse, runs the sport. And I think this is going to make a big decision as to who comes back. I mean, does Interstate Batteries step it up a little bit more? Do they bring in another outside sponsor? I think, David, I remember even hearing – that they were trying to work, or at least Kyle Busch was trying to work with the company that helps with JTG Doherty and how they get their sponsorship model because that 47 car has had sponsorship for years and they have all these activations and programs with different brands. I think they're trying anything to try and keep them. And we know Dave Wilson with Toyota Racing Development has said it publicly. We want to keep Kyle in-house, but they're planning contingency just in case. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a wild situation. And... You know, we, we heard with Chase Elliott's deal that uh, there's kind of like a business-to-business a, a -business partnership between Napa and Hendrick that partially gets that done. And Gibbs not being, you know, in the auto world in the same sense that Hendrick is, there's just not that flexibility. Yeah, the, uh, you know, Hendrick has a lot of leverage because of, of the, his uh, automotive group and all the dealership he has. But – you know, I don't think Joe Gibbs has that leverage like Hendricks has. And, uh, 
man, when you just sit here, think about it, M&Ms, you know, $25 million annually of sponsorship, man, that's, that's just huge. a cop. That's huge, you know, but you're talking about the same M&M sponsorship for the organization for that 18 car. Uh, and then you need another company to cover his salary. You know, I, I think, you know, is like, is Kyle Bush willing to accept a less salary to keep this all, you know, to keep the glue, to keep it all together? Because, man, I, why would you walk away from a championship caliper team, a, a, a team that's proven that can win championships? They're going to win more championships. He, he's just got to make the choice whether – uh, you you want to be a three four five time champion in the in NASCAR Cup racing, uh, you know? Are you willing to give up your salary, a part of that salary, to make that happen? And it sounds like to me, and it's just just us talking and common sense. I think one of the hangups is trying to figure out how to get his salary covered. You know what I mean? I mean, if you know, you look. There's a lot of teams that race on Sundays in the Cup Series that they don't even have $25 billion as a, as a whole sponsorship for their organization. Now, Gibbs as an organization, that 18 car has got to have, I hear, more than $25 million. You know, I hear numbers like $30, $35 million. And then you're going to pull, then you got to add on another $25 million. Man, that's, that's, that makes, I guess it makes the situation more of a challenge. You know what I mean? So it's interesting because it, we talk about Toyota, we talk about, you know, Joe Gibbs racing, but, you know, we need to be talking about Kyle Busch is he's willing to accept a smaller salary to keep this thing together and to keep moving forward to go win some more championships, you know? Maggie, uh, we mentioned earlier with you working with sponsors and everything, this has got to be wild stuff, I imagine, here and from your end, just like these dollars and sense-wise, all, all this that comes down to it and what goes into the sponsorship stuff? What's what's your takeaway from your vantage point on all this with Kyle Busch right now? I mean, it's, it's crazy to even think that Kyle Busch could not be in the 18 next year. And I know we've been following this story closely. David and I talked to Bob Pockris in the garage when we can. And we've been talking about this for months now. And I can't believe we're still talking about it in the same way. Um, but I think Kyle Busch, he's great for the sport. He's a great race car driver, but he's probably not the easiest to sell to a sponsor who's not passionate about racing and who doesn't understand racing in that capacity. Um, just his attitude sometimes. Love Kyle Busch as a racer, but his attitude sometimes after he gets second in place, still not the greatest. So I think that's probably from a sponsorship perspective, tough to do. David makes it so easy. <laughs> <laughs> yes yes indeed uh time for our ask david segment this week we ask you to submit questions to us on facebook twitter also by email david star podcast at uh, gmail.com and this segment is presented by ticket smarter ticket smarter came aboard as the primary sponsor this year on david's 08 uh, 08 ford mustang we want to tell you a little bit more about what they do ticket smarter is a national ticket resale marketplace with tickets to over 125,000 live events including nascar and other forms of motorsports fans can get tickets to every nascar cup xfinity and capping world truck race throughout the season for the best deals on tickets visit ticketsmarter.com to get your tickets today that's ticket smarter Com. All right, uh, our first question in the inbox this week, and uh, this question comes from Maggie. 
Maggie, what's been the best part of your job so far? Oh my gosh. Um, hmm. All of it. I just love being at the racetrack. Like, <laughs> oh, my bad. Saying, I forgot to mention that's from Martha, but oh, you said it's from Maggie, and I was confused. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I didn't you ask Maggie, myself that. <laughs> you, Maggie, from Martha. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I would say just being at the racetrack um, when I can be there and standing on pit road, it just feels so surreal. I get home on like a Monday or a Sunday and I think I can't believe that just happened. Like, I can't believe I was just there and I just go back to my normal life and go to Target, go to work and <laughs> everything's normal. <laughs> David, what's the best part of your job? Man, I, I love it. Uh, the best part is... Uh, you know, get climbing in that window and, and putting those seatbelts on and cranking that engine up and pulling out on the racetrack and racing. I, I, I love racing, but I'm going to, I'm going to agree with Maggie. It's every aspect of it, you know, to, to the energy, the excitement, the fans, the sponsors, the, the, the people that, that come with the sponsors, uh, have, seeing the fans get excited about them, seeing race car drivers, getting autographs and, and, and having our sponsors that don't want to leave, even when the race is over with, we load up the equipment, they're still around. I, I, I just, man, you guys, Dominic, Tyler, y'all get it, man. We love it. Everything about our industry is amazing. But I love every aspect of it is. Even a, a bad day at the racetrack is, is the greatest day ever. You know what I mean? And uh, uh, I, I love it. I love the fans. I love my team. I love my crew chief. I mean, I just, I love what we do. You know, Maggie makes it fun to work beside her because she loves it so much. And I love her when she gets excited. So, man, we met, Bob, you know, Bob, uh, what is it? Uh, Bob. Bob yeah, yeah, you know, and I can't believe that, you know, this race car driver was standing right there. I've been watching him on TV for years. And, uh, you know, I tell Maggie, well, hey, you know, he's a great friend, but he, he, he puts his jeans on like you do and like I do, you know, but you're just, uh, you know, so I, I love her seeing her get excited. It's just, and man, you know, we, it's just, I love every, everything about it. How about you, Dominic? Tell us something that, you know, it's just awesome. What, what do yeah. you love about it, man? Man, I just looking at the racetrack, all the people, all the connections you make with this sport. It's fun to be out there chasing stories, trying to cover and, being the stats guy and trying to find that cool next stat story to cover. But even just the people around the sport, man, you said it best, a, a bad day at the track's better than a good day at the office. And I remember Carl Edward said that, and that always stuck with me. And I think that's a great motto to live by when you're, especially at the racetracks. I know there can be long days and tough days and Maggie and David, you guys have a different view of that because you are actually compet competing and you're, you're being a part of that process of the competitive side of the sport. But just being at the track, that environment, there's just nothing that can replace that, Dave. And whether it's six races you go to or 36 in a year, there's just so much to, to really take in at the racetrack. I, I love it. It's like a sensory overload experience. How about you, Tyler? For me, uh, you know, when, when I do, whether it's this job or, you know, my NFL job, whatever it may be, um, it makes all the difference in the world to talk about stuff you're passionate about. You know, I've worked in news, I've worked in weather, and, you know, those are fun jobs, no doubt about it. I mean, it still sure beats working in an office, you know, like covering those things. They were they were cool, you know, but there's still part of it that's work. Working in the sports world, it, it's so fun to talk about stuff you're passionate about that you enjoy. And to me, that's the thing, you know, of 
of working in something that you care about and that you enjoy. You know, when, when I worked in news, you know, like covering shootings or, you know, weather-wise, you know, covering, you know, tornadoes or stuff like that. I mean, that's intense stuff. I mean, you know, sure, we have some hard stuff to cover from time to time. You know, death happens and those are sad things. But uh, most of our stuff is not that serious. It's, it's fun for the most part. So that's what I'd say for me. It's just having fun and, you know, talking about stuff we're passionate about makes a big difference. Uh, next question comes from Paul. Paul wants to know, this one's for David. You get the bathroom question a lot. But what do you do when you have to sneeze when you're racing at top speed? <laughs> well, that's a good question. That's a great question, I never Paul. Thought about I, that. I never even thought about that. I don't. I don't remember ever having to sneeze. You know, I mean, I don't ever remember sneezing. <laughs> you know, when I'm inside the car, I, I really, uh, God, I can't. I mean, it's a great question, and. Uh, you know, I would say that you just sneeze, you know what I mean? But I can't, I mean, I've never. I mean, windshield wipers. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, uh, but I've never, if, I've never had, I don't, I don't remember ever. What if you cough? Are you afraid that you're going to fog up your. Well, that's your a great question, helmet? Tyler. But, you know, uh, me, uh, my visor on my helmet, I run with it a lot of times with it cracked open, you know, and sometimes I like to see clearly, and sometimes I'll open up my visor all the way. I race that way a lot, you know, which is kind of surprising. But, uh, but you know, I've never really sealed off my shield of my helmet when I race, ever. And, uh, you know, I even remember going back to the days where I raced when I had an open-face helmet and goggles, you know, and NASCAR. And uh, I kind of like to feel the feeling the air on my face. And, I always think uh, of Dale Earnhardt when I think of the open face. Yeah, helmet. absolutely. That was badass. That, that was badass. But but sneezing while I race, I can't remember ever sneezing while I'm racing. And that's such a cool question, you know what I mean? Because well, if you do sneeze while you race, what happens? You know what I mean? Are you startled <laughs> for a second? I mean, are you sneeze all over your visor? Or, I mean, do you make a mess in your helmet? I, I don't know. I've never had that happen, Paul, but yeah. that's a great question. Because the last time you were you were sneezing a lot, you had the flu and you missed a race. <laughs> you, you just didn't race. Well, you can't Absolutely. do much, yeah. Well, Tyler, has that I happened think... with you working on air? I mean, you've been in front of a lot of cameras over the years. Have you ever had to sneeze or had a sneezing moment on air? Um, yeah, I've had to sneeze on air. And to give you a little inside baseball, actually, uh, from this vantage point, um, you know, a lot of the times I've been where I've been able to control my audio or my platforms in front of me. We can do it right here on this show too. <laughs> and if I was about to sneeze or cough right now, I just hit this mute button on our screen and then no one would hear it. Or they, they might see me go off to the side or do something like that. But, uh, this past weekend, uh, cause I'm sure people were wondering, I don't know if Dominic said anything or not where I was at last week, but I was getting ready to go to Phoenix. Uh, I was doing a gig for ESPN last week. Everything went great. Had a great time out there. Scottsdale might be the capital city now this, this summer of Jones, by the way. But that's besides the point. With that being said, uh, on the mic boxes, when I'm doing this ESPN broadcast, there's two buttons. Um, there's a cough button and there's a talk back button. If I'm talking in just the headset, then that can go live at any time, whether they tell me to or I know I'm live or not. 
I can press the talkback button and I'm talking directly just producers or guys in the truck, all that. I hit the cough button and then my mic just shuts off so I can get clear my throat or, or whatever. So uh, all the bells and whistles, the nuances, uh, Dom, people uh, have no idea sometimes uh, that stuff. And those are great questions. Hey, Dom. Yo. Here's our cough button at. You have one? Uh, I don't. Well, I guess the new button. <laughs> the new button. Yeah, the new button could work. Is that? Yeah, I, I, I can shut David off right now if you want. Oh, there we go. <laughs> hey, he just did it there. How about that? <laughs> I think next time uh, David's in the race car, he's going to be thinking about sneezing now. <laughs> there we go. Yes. Hopefully, Paul didn't make you superstitious or make you overthink that when you're racing next, David. Yeah. That's funny. That's yeah, uh, funny. that's a great question, Paul. <laughs> yes, but uh, we got to run. It was good to be back. Uh, had a good time last week, but uh, always good to be with you guys, uh, Maggie. Uh, you're always posting away on David's social media and do a great job with that. But uh, let, let's let's get your social media following built up. Where can people follow you personally besides David's stuff? Well, on Instagram and Twitter, I'm MJ underscore fix. Um, that's where I'm the most on Twitter and Instagram, but you can also catch me at star underscore racing if you don't follow that yet. So <laughs> that's more important. <laughs> so Maggie, tell them what people say. Man, David never responds. <laughs> yeah, my Back to Uncle Sean. My Uncle Sean was so mad at David because he did not text him back, but he was posting on his Instagram story. <laughs> and I just looked at Uncle Sean like dumbfounded. I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, David's posting all over Instagram, but he's not texting me back. And I was like, well, who, what do you think my job is? And he's like, oh. Are you kidding me, man? Okay, what's really funny is sometimes uh, – I'll see a post that Maggie's made on David's behalf, and I'll be like, David, that was a great tweet you just had. That, that, that <laughs> photo there. Did, uh, you, you really thought of that one? Like, what, I'll, I'll say this. I don't know if David's even going to like me mentioning this, but this is good. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, it was, it was his teammate, Joe Graff Jr.'s birthday. And uh, and I said, uh, I said, David, and I said, Oh, uh, I saw you wished uh, Joe Graff Jr. a birthday uh, on, on Twitter today. And he's like, I didn't know it was his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I usually call him before I make a post about someone's birthday just so that he knows. But I think I, that one must have fell through the cracks. <laughs> hey, hey, Maggie's awesome. She, she keeps me, you know, hey, she takes care of me. You know what I mean? That's important, you know. And, right? and, and Joe Graff. He, he knew that David didn't forget his birthday. Absolutely. And, and I he, think he deep down knew that it was me that wished him a happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. uh, uh, Maggie, uh, what, what are you up to uh, this week? What's what's the days look like? You uh, you out on the road this week? What's going on with you? Uh, no, this weekend I'm just picking my sister up at the airport, and then um, it's her fiancé's birthday. We'll be celebrating that, and – have a family reunion. So it's going to be a family-filled weekend, which is typically what my weekends look like if I'm not at the racetrack with David. Very nice. Hey, Dominic, Maggie, tell them where you'd rather be. At the racetrack? <laughs> <laughs> rather be in Indy, yeah. 
Yeah, I might go to, go to a dirt race or something. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I won't be at the racetrack this weekend. It was fun to be at Pocono Raceway. We had a lot of boots on the ground there. Same with Iowa Speedway with the Indy Car Race with Colby Evans. But I'll be taking it easy this weekend up in Santa Fe at home. So looking forward to a nice weekend. It'll be great. And I think the next race for me will probably be a little ways away, but we'll see. How about you, Tyler? When's your next race, by the way? Uh, I don't know if I'm getting back to the racetrack this year. Um, I, I, I'll be I'll be at the Texas Xfinity race, but uh, now's the point of the year where I, I shift to football mode, so I, I won't be at the racetrack a whole lot personally. But okay. uh, somehow I, I I missed you guys. Like the last two races you've gone to together are, are all you guys. Like I haven't been there, so I was in Phoenix last week, and then when you guys were all at Texas, I was at PGA Championship. So. I have other duties, other responsibilities, but nonetheless, uh, I'm glad you guys had a good time. Uh, I will be going back to Omaha this weekend to uh, say one more goodbye and uh, and then be fully established as a uh, Texas resident by the end of the weekend. That's what I'm up to. You keep hey, doing this farewell tour to Omaha, right? Is it just a part yeah. of Summer Jones? Yeah. Dominic, Dominic, <laughs> I know I have a fix for all this. Okay, let's hear it. We need to cancel the Summer of Jones tour. No, no. How dare you? How dare you? Hey, you know, I have an even better idea. We, we call it the Summer of Jones. It gets canceled. You can replace it with the hashtag Fall of Auto Going. There you go. There you go. I feel like Fall of Fix goes better. So. Fall of Fix. <laughs> There's alliteration. You'll have to do the, the Autumn of Oregon. The That's Autumn right. of Oregon. Yes, there yes, we go. So there you go. Everybody wins. Yes, we all That's win. That's why I'm the creative. Wow, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm hurt by that. David wants to cancel the summer job. <laughs> Getting back to the racetrack, I'm like, man, where's Tyler been? We ain't seen him at the racetrack. It's like, man, where are you at? Well, it's the summer, summer, summer of Jones yeah. tour. You know what I mean? Well, guys, we'll have nothing over the winter, but then when we get to the springtime, we can call it the springtime star. Ah, oh, there <laughs> we go. There you go. I like that. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh, that's funny. Uh, David, uh, off week for you, but I'm, I'm sure you're busy with something. We have a lots going on at the racing school, doing a lot of work there. Uh, looking forward to this weekend's Indy race. Uh, seeing Andy Lally will be driving our Ticket Smarter Brett Bear Ford Mustang. And, man, Andy Lally, Andy is one heck of a, a road course racer, and, and I hope he can get that 08 Ford Mustang uh, in victory lane. That would be awesome. Uh, he's proven he's a winner. He's a champion. And, uh, man, it's pretty cool having Andy Lally drive our car this weekend at Indy. And I'm looking forward. I wish we I wish we were going to Indy and racing on the 2.5 mile racetrack, but we're not. And I'm gonna spend some time with my boys and uh, spend some time just around my house, enjoying uh, my kids, and uh, uh, looking forward to getting to Michigan the following week. So uh, so anyway, that's kind of what the rest of my week looks like. Awesome, that's great stuff, guys. Uh, we got to run as always. Subscribe to Let's Go Racing with David Starr. New episodes out at each and every Wednesday. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. You can also follow us on social media, facebook.com slash David Starr Podcast, Twitter at Star Podcast, and email us at davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. Put the check flag out on this episode for Maggie Fix, Dominic Aragon, and David Starr. I'm Tyler Jones saying so long. It's been another edition of Let's Go Racing. See you next time.